Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos Rosh Chodesh morning. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Da pronta barbello Jaco 
Yeah. 
Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Minucha! I couldn't think of words more appropriate than Kaveh El Hashem, Chazak Ben-Mitz Nibbecha. Put our hope and faith on Kaddish Baruch Hu, we must be brave, and Hashem will give us the courage to continue. With that, Kaveh El Hashem, we hope you enjoy.
בכל מידה ומידה, שהוא מוידד לך, שהוא מוידד לך, בכל מידה, בכל מידה ומידה, שהוא מוידד לך, הווה מוידד
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh morning. Thanks for joining us here at J.M. in the A.M. Borei Olam done by uh, David Gabe. You heard Yaakov Chesed with Baruch Inafshi. Kaveh, that's the Yeshiva Boys Choir. Yehuda had Suri Yisrael. Horeini, also from Lodavid Hashem Ori with Miami. Shimon Kramer's Tzor Mishalo. Uchuva, after all, it's Elul now. That was Hillel Kapnik, the Yom Shabbat medley done by Micha Gammerman, and of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this August 21st, day one in the month of Elul, the year 5780, Tufshin Pei, Rosh Chodesh Elul, the final month of this year, as we get closer and closer to the year 5781, which will start, is it four weeks from tonight? I assume it's four weeks from tonight, right? Let's see. One, two, three. Yeah, four weeks from tonight uh, begins Rosh Hashanah, which means four weeks from today is my 37th anniversary at JM in the AM. Wow. That is hard to believe. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shoftim, candle lighting in New York, 724. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And, and for those of you who don't realize that we've already gotten back to 724, be careful. Make sure you know when Shabbos starts is right. 70 degrees, 62% humidity. Winds are west at 9 miles per hour. Uh, mix of sun and clouds today with a high of 88. Then tonight, partly cloudy, low 73. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a high of 90 degrees. 80 right now in Yerushalayim. 70 here in New York City. Friday, Erev Shabbos. It is Rosh Chodesh morning. Today, all the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh, including Yalav Yavo, Half Hallel, special Torah reading. Musaf, Barachinavshi, whatever your custom calls for. Keep that all in mind on a Rosh Chodesh morning. Uh, let's see. It's 12 minutes before 7 o'clock. Coming up after our news, Harry Rothenberg on Parsha Shoftim. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, Rabbi Yudin on Parsha Shoftim. Coming up at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He is uh, coming up with a weekly update at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. The big news, for those of you who were not listening to the live lunch yesterday, you may not have heard a couple of pieces of big news. Number one, um, our major contest with Aaron's Casino Farms and Aaron's West Orange is about to be not just announced, but, I mean, it's going to be a big splash. You know, a lot of these Instagram contests that are done, and this one will be done with the Aaron's uh, Instagram account. Uh, a lot of them have great, valuable prizes. There are at least 10 valuable prizes going to one winner of the big, massive basket of prizes that we're giving out on September the 1st. Uh, how do you enter? Well, we'll let you know Monday morning, but you'll also see it over the weekend on social media. Uh, how to enter on Instagram and how to be part of it. And this is all part of uh, Aaron's uh, presentation of our 5781 Season 9 kickoff all through the month of August and then through the uh, holidays of uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. And, um, and we're getting excited about this. So by Monday morning, you'll know exactly how to enter. You need an Instagram account. And on September 1st, you'll find out who wins that massive bucket of prizes. And that's what it is. We're not just giving out one prize worth a couple of hundred bucks. We're giving out like 10 prizes, a lot of them worth a lot of money. So that's all coming up here at uh, JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. 
Um, Naomi Nachman, brand new table for two at 9 a.m. this morning, right after JM and the AM. I got to thank Mark Zomik, an amazing brand new Erev Shabbos show uh, that has gotten JM and the AM off to a great start this morning. It is a tremendous lead in. Uh, you'll hear it again, encore presentation at 10 a.m. Eastern time this morning, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Um, what else did I want to tell everybody? And then, uh, of course, the Arab Shabbos Music Mix all day long, sponsored by the wonderful people at Kedem, all the way until candle lighting. Uh, of Rami tomorrow night with Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler with the uh, Saturday Night Seagull program. Matis on Sunday morning with JM Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Monday, we're back here at JM. Now, the second piece of news that we were uh, telling everybody about yesterday during the live lunch is that yesterday at the Nahum Siegel Network headquarters, we received a massive delivery of a brand new item that's now carrying the Nahum Siegel Network. There is a company called Naki Radio, and the unit. Uh, is a kosher Wi-Fi radio um, known as Naki Radio Plus. And um, like I said, we have a whole collection of them, and and we're going to be giving them away as prizes. One of them will go into the big bucket of prizes for the September 1st giveaway from Aaron's Casino Farms in Queens and Aaron's West Orange in New Jersey. But the big news is that for a long period of time, I know many people, as Naki Radio became a brand in the Jewish world, I know a lot of people were rightfully frustrated that Naki Radio would not cu- would not carry the Nahum Siegel Network. And people who wanted to, you know, at the press of a button, uh, who have web radios and who understand the... Uh, who understand the um, enhancement that they would enjoy in their lives if they had the Nahum Siegel Network on their web radio were really frustrated. And I know Naki Radio heard from a lot of Jews uh, around the uh, community uh, who wanted people to uh, be able to tune in to us through their radio. Well, guess what? As of this week, through their portal, the Nahum Siegel Network is now available on Naki Radio. So we are now uh, enthusiastically recommending that anybody who wants a web radio buy it. It's a kosher Wi-Fi radio. Again, it's called Naki, N-A-K-I radio. And now you could set it, if you follow instructions there, you could set it so that the Nahum Siegel Network is available at the touch of a button. So in celebration of all this, we're tossing a Naki radio into the... um, into the... uh, Big basket of prizes that we're giving away on uh, on September first, courtesy of Aaron's and uh, Aaron's West Orange. All right, so I think you now have a perspective on what's happening. A lot of big news, a lot of wonderful things. We get set to kick off season number nine here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Listener Terry is on the app. She says, "Boker Tov, please play Mordechai Shapiro's One in a Million in honor of my daughter Dina's." 17th birthday today. Thank you and Shabbat Shalom. Happy birthday, Dina, from all of us here at JM in the AM. the streets 
I look alive No one knows what's going on inside So much I cannot do Just want to be more like you Does it even pay to try? Mm-hmm. I know when billion stars come out at night Each one with their own purpose, their own light Those stars are just like me Each their own identity It's all in my state of mind I'm 
Wrapping up the hour with Hasidisha Otros, America's one and only Shabbistic Otros, America's one and only Jewish Moments of the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemSingle.com and the AlchemSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Rosh Chodesh Elul, Friday, JM in the AM, Malcolm Holmline coming up this hour and plenty more. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents. He'll be with us at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. Newscast for a Friday is next. We say Boker Tov and Chodesh Tov from JM in the AM. גליצל השעה שתיים, שלום רב, כאן אלעזר בן לולו עם מה שקורה עכשיו. ההסלמה בדרום, חמש שרפות פרצו מאז שעות הבוקר, בשטח פתוח במועצה האזורית חוף אשקלון כתוצאה מנפילת בלוני תבערה. כתבנו בדרום רמי שני מוסר שצוותי קיבוי השתלטו על האש שהתפשטה בשני מוקדים. בתגובה על שיגור 12 רקטות לעבר ישראל, צה"ל תקף לפנות בוקר יעדי חמאס ברצועת עזה. בין היתר הותקפו תשתיות תת-קרקעיות ואתר לייצור אמצעי לחימה. ובתוך כך גורמים בצה"ל מסרו לכתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון צחי דבוש כי ישראל קרובה לעימות צבאי עם חמאס בעזה. לדבריהם, למרות שישראל ניסתה להכיל את האירועים האחרונים ולא הגיבה בתקיפות, כעת התגובה הצבאית צפויה להיות עוצמתית יותר. ברקע חילופי האשמות בין כחול לבן לבין הליכוד, ראש הממשלה החליפי ושר הביטחון בני גנץ אומר, אנחנו לא אנשים של משחקים ותרגילים, אנחנו אנשים של כבוד ותקווה, עבודה קשה, יושר וערכים. כך גנץ בדברים שכתב בטוויטר בתום מפגש חברי הכנסת של כחול לבן. כתב בתחום הפוליטי יניר קוזין מזכיר שביום ראשון תתכנס ועדת הכספים לאשר את הצעת החוק לדחיית אישור התקציב כדי להביאה לאישור סופי במליאה ולמניעת התפזרות הכנסת. כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרה וולברג מוסיפה כי גם בשעה זו לא ברור האם תתקיים ישיבת ממשלה שבועית ביום ראשון הקרוב וטרם הוצג לשרים סדר יום והנושאים שצפויים לעלות בה. הולך רגל כבן 60 נפצע באורח קשה לאחר שנפגע מדלת משאית באור יהודה. צוות מגן דוד אדום פינה אותו לבית החולים שיבא תל השומר כשהוא מחוסר הכרה ועם חבלה בראשו. אירוע דקירה על רקע פלילי בבת ים, גבר בן 43 נפצע באורח קל לאחר שנדקר בידי רוכב אופניים שנמלט מן המקום. הרקע לאירוע הוא ויכוח שפרץ בין השניים. כתבנו בן נצר מוסר שצוות מגן דוד אדום פינה את הפצוע לבית החולים וולפסון בחולון. תושב אשדוד בשנות ה-30 לחייו נעצר בחשד ששדד אלפי שקלים מסניף בנק הדואר בעיר. החשוד הגיע למקום ואיים על צוות העובדים. כתבנו בדרום רמי שני מוסר שהוא יובא בהמשך לדיון בהארכת מעצרו בבית משפט השלום באשקלון. 
בפולין נרשם שיא יומי במספר הנדבקים בקורונה. ביממה החולפת אובחנו 903 חולים חדשים. עד כה מתו בפולין מהנגיף כ-2,000 בני אדם. כתבת חדשות החוץ מיכל גלנץ מציינת כי שר הבריאות של פולין, לוקאש שומפסקי, הודיע על התפטרותו השבוע בעקבות העלייה החריגה במספר הקורבנות במדינתו. מזג האוויר מעונן חלקית עד בהיר, בערים תחול ירידה בטמפרטורות, מחר יהיה דומה. אלה החדשות.
J.M. in the A.M. It's Shabbos Now, done by our friends from uh, Eighth Day here at J.M. in the A.M. Ken Lighting, 724 New York, Sarah of Shabbos Parsha Shoftim. Weekly update coming up or by you to next hour, of course. It's Friday, 9 a.m. for a brand new Table for Two with Naomi Nachman, Mark Zamek with a brand new Erev Shabbos show for Shoftim at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And, uh... That'll be the uh, third presentation of the Arab Shabbos show. It's on every Thursday night. It's on very, very early Friday morning, which is perfect for our friends in Israel and around the world on that side of the world. And, of course, 10 a.m. every Friday here on the Nahum Siegel Network. And thank you, Mark. Always has a, uh, a great show prepared each and every week, which we very, very much appreciate that's for sure uh, if you're looking for a job get us your resume you never know who we may know and of course all professional um all professional uh not-for-profit uh, positions in our community uh, we send those uh, resumes on to our friends at the joel Paul group resume at nachomsegel.com resume at nachomsegel.com feel free to comment on the app go to the nsn nachomsegel network app for android and iphone and comment away why not? Oh, we got to get our chauffeur. We got to get our Baltokea ready. Today's the first day of chauffeur on the first of Elul, second day of Rosh Chodesh. Got to get our Baltokea ready. We will uh, air the chauffeur blowing sometime between 7.30 and 7.40 this morning here at JM in the AM. Yeah, we'll get that Baltokea ready. He better be prepared. <laughs> this portion. Yeah, you know what happens if a Baltokea is not prepared. You know what type of uh, ramifications that could lead to in a synagogue. Well, yeah, even in this synagogue. Um, anyway, yeah, I know we'll we'll have. Don't worry, we'll have uh, we'll have proper um, sympathy if anything goes wrong. But as I pointed out yesterday, I, I don't remember the last time that we had a problem with our Baltokea. Belia and Hara here at JM in the AM. I don't. Know, he seems to always get it right. He seems to never have trouble. You know, you know how there are people who blow the chauffeur and they, they sometimes struggle. They sometimes, you know, go through these periods of time where it's really difficult for them. I don't know. Our guy seems to get it right every single time. 
Anyway, he'll be coming up here at JM in the AM. Uh, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman, delicious kosher hot dogs and incredible products are available to you nationwide. And the hot dogs are available at every Trader Joe's nationwide. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. And get ready for Sunday when you'll be grilling up a storm. You need some delicious A&H hot dogs to make it a perfect Sunday barbecue. That I, that I must tell you. If you're wondering why your barbecues are not up to snuff, it might be for that reason. You're not using A&H hot dogs, so do your best to uh, to get those going on the grill. Uh, our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms in Queens, Aaron's West Orange in New Jersey, are sponsoring our uh, kickoff for 5781, season number nine here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And, of course, on September the 1st, we're giving away a basket full, and I mean a massive basket full of gifts, including that Naki radio that we just tossed in this morning. Um, that'll be happening on the, on the 1st of September over the weekend. I'm assured by uh, NSN staff member, Yoni Pollock that over the weekend, uh, through social media, etc., will make it known how to enter the contest and you could be a big winner. And I mean a really, really big winner. So thank you to Aaron's Casino Farms. Thank you to Aaron's West Orange, New Jersey for all their help with that. Harry Rothenberg has comments about this week's Parsha, Parsha Shoftim. Harry Rothenberg at JM in the AM. <laughs> this week's Torah portion includes the famous phrase, Tzedek, Tzedek, Tirdof. Justice, justice, you shall pursue. Interestingly, the sages in the Talmud explain that that phrase is referring to the obligation for litigants to seek the best possible court. The court that has the wisest and most experienced judges. Now that's interesting. It sounds like the sages are limiting the application of the phrase. Without their explanation, we would think that it applies across the board to all areas of life, in court and out of court. And even if the phrase does only apply to court, why limit its applicability just to venue choosing the right court instead of explaining that it refers to all court-related matters? But if you scratch beneath the surface, you'll see that the sages are teaching us a very important lesson. Why wouldn't a litigant want the best possible court with the best possible judge? The answer is that litigants want to win. In the U.S. and in other countries, the battleground of the courtroom is not focused on anything other than resolution. We want a winner, and unfortunately, we also have to have necessarily a loser. And so litigants are looking for the best court for them. The court where they have the best chance of winning, even though it may not be the best court with the best judge. The sages are telling us that in the Torah system, it's different. Our primary objective shouldn't be resolution. It should be the truth. The best court with the best judge, the wisest, most experienced judge, has a much better chance of getting it right. A lesser court with a lesser judge increases the chances that you're going to have an unjust outcome. The litigant that should have lost may win, and that's a disaster. That's something that we should all be trying to avoid. Earlier in the Torah, Moses, Moshe, is approached by his father-in-law Yisro, who criticizes him. He says, what are you doing? You're spending all day judging the people. And Yisro successfully proposes a new system, a hierarchy of judges below Moshe. If you look at that scene, you say to yourself, somewhat uncomfortably, boy, the Jews must have been awfully litigious in the wilderness 
during those 40 years to keep Moshe busy judging cases all day long. But some of the commentators say, yes, Moshe was busy, but not for the reason you think. This was the type of case that he was judging. A person would buy something from someone else and then would see that inside the seller had accidentally left some item of value. So the buyer would go back to the seller and say, listen, you made a mistake. I bought that thing from you, but I found some other valuable item inside. I want to return it to you. And the seller would say, oh no, I sold it to you as is. Yes, I made a mistake and I'm not thrilled about it, but it's yours. You bought it. You get to keep it. And the buyer would say, God forbid, I'm not going to keep it. It doesn't belong to me. And so they'd agree. Let's go to Moshe so we can find out the truth. We can get the answer. What should we do? Those are the types of cases that Moshe was judging. Cases where people were interested in the truth, not in resolution. And so we, all of us, litigants and potential litigants alike, people claiming to seek justice, but really just seeking a win, should stop and remember, justice, justice, you shall pursue. That is a lucid, intelligent, well thought out objection. Shabbat Shalom. 
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Udi Davidi. With that drawer you cry here on a J.M. name Friday. It's Rosh Chodesh morning. My thanks to Harry Rothenberg. His words about Parsha Shoftim. Uh, listener Ruvain says, uh, Happy anniversary to the most wonderful wife that's made my life incredible for seven years. Emir Tzashem Ad Me'ev So to the Brick family, we say Mazal Tov on that big anniversary from all of us here at J.M. and A.M. Erev Shabbos Parsha Shoftim. Good morning. It is Rosh Chodesh morning. All the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh. Don't forget. Yalav Yavo, half Hallel. Special Torah reading. Musaf Baruch whatever your custom calls for. Uh, 10, 15 minutes from now, we'll do our chauffeur blowing for the month of Elul. That'll be a Sunday through Friday tradition here until we get to Friday Erev uh, Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, Rosh Hashanah is four weeks from tonight, believe it or not. That is hard to believe, huh? Four weeks from tonight. Unbelievable. As uh, we get to start, uh, we get to we get set to start 5781 and uh, really get into season number nine here at uh, the Nahum Siegel Network in earnest. And let's hope that this season, uh, as it continues, as it progresses, brings some relief from the uh, COVID-19 situation and restrictions. Let's hope. Who knows? You look at the uh, at the at the graph of what happened in terms of cases during the 1918 epidemic, the Spanish flu. You look at the charts, and it is pretty scary, frankly, because the first wave was significant, no question about it. Um, and then, if you look at the chart from a hundred years ago. Uh, then it flattens out. But I mean flattens out like flatter than we're at now. That's how much it flattened out. And then all of a sudden, in the fall and winter of 1918, all of a sudden it went nuts. And if you look at the graph, it really reflected how how nuts it went in terms of uh, numbers of cases and people who were dying. And then, again... Um, if you look at that graph closely enough, it again flattens out really to the same degree that it flattened out after the first wave and then again starts to climb, not as much as during wave two, but then again starts to climb. So uh, many people I know have the attitude, especially in our community for some reason, I guess it's the ignorance and arrogance that dominate uh, unfortunately too often, uh, have the attitude that this is over or we're making too big of a deal or... um, or everybody had it. I love that one. Everybody had it. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, e- even with all of that, uh, uh, you know, um, this second wave or third wave or whatever wave we're referring to at this point, uh, I don't want to say is inevitable, God forbid, but certainly is something that, that could uh, 
cause really real, real serious problems, especially as we get, get, get into the winter months. So, uh, like I said, let's hope 5781 uh, uh, allows us the opportunity to dismiss the restrictions and to move on and everyone collectively be healthier and vaccines be developed and work, etc. Let us hope it's going to be a year like that. The year starts four weeks from tonight. We're looking forward to turning the page on the calendar. and We're looking forward, please God, to sharing uh, even better news than we've shared over this past year. 23 minutes after 7 o'clock on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. And um, remember that our friends at Arts Girl uh, continue to offer a promo code RADIO. That's the promo code RADIO. Free shipping, 10% off across the board. Go to artscroll.com, artscroll.com, order what you need, and take advantage. Simple as that. Ari Goldwag is brand new at JM in the AM. Is It's not, it's not always easy to get up in the morning to serve Hashem. One thing I need to remember to repeat to myself again.
Your heart is there and he will stop me if he can There's no need to despair but I just gotta have a plan If I can remember that Hashem's always with me I'll succeed because I've got the key She
JM in the AM, Yehuda Green with the Chizuk Nigun, as he calls it here at JM in the AM. Uh, Ilu Finu done by Avram Willig. It's a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It's also Rosh Chodesh morning. Today, Friday is Rosh Chodesh. Keep that in mind. All the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh, including Yalav Yavo and Half Hallel, special Torah reading. Mosuf Barchinafshi, whatever your custom calls for. We highly recommend you follow Jewish Calendar Tidbits on uh, on Twitter. Really good Twitter feed that keeps you up to date on things like Rosh Chodesh and Parsha Shoftim, Shabbos Parsha Shoftim, and more. If you're into the Jewish Calendar, Jewish Calendar Tidbits, I have to recommend that to Rabbi Heber. I think he'll enjoy it. Jewish Calendar Tidbits, at Tidbits Jewish. You'll find it on Twitter. And again, we highly recommend it. Erev Shabbos, candle lighting at 724 in New York. On this Rosh Chodesh morning, greetings to all of you around the world. Thanks so much for tuning in. Much appreciated. Don't forget, great weekend programming. Matis has JM Sunday this coming Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern time. That'll be live, as it always is. Saturday night, Seagull with Avrami tomorrow night. Brand new edition of Table for Two at 9 a.m. Eastern time with Naomi Nachman this morning. Mark Zamek with the Erev Shabbos show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That starts at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, plus the Arab Shabbos music mix all day long. Sponsored by our friends at Kedem. Um, a lot of great material out there, thank God. Uh, our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms and Aaron's uh, West Orange, they are sponsoring our big contest that culminates on the, on the 1st of September with a basket full of gifts for one winner. Over the weekend, we'll tell you how to join. Uh, how to enter the contest. It's an Instagram contest. And the Naki Radio, that web radio, has just been added to the uh, basket, which I think now has more than 10 prizes, if I'm not, not mistaken. It's pretty amazing. So pay careful attention. We'll certainly have all the details for you this coming Monday morning right here at JM. Why wouldn't we? Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't we have all those details? So you can uh, win, 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 hopefully. All right, as you know, uh, during the month of Elul, we try our hardest to remember to play <laughs> our, uh, it is pretty funny when you think about it, um, or maybe it's not so funny, uh, but we do try very hard to remember to play our uh, chauffeur uh, every single morning, Sunday through Friday, um, here during the month of Elul. And today, the first of Elul, first day in the month of Elul, is the first day of shofar blowing. Plus, don't forget, we're saying L'David Hashem Ori as well during the month of Elul. That continues until Shemini Atzeres. Uh, but shofar blowing is now until Erev Rosh Hashanah. We don't do it Erev Rosh Hashanah, but obviously on Rosh Hashanah itself, that second day Rosh Hashanah on Sunday we do. Anyway, so the month of Elul, uh, in an effort to bring people closer to the synagogue experience and, and at the same time, you know, alert everybody through the sound of the chauffeur, which is its purpose in Elul, that the new year is coming. And this year, particularly, with so many people in isolation, with so many people not in shul as often, with so many people not at events as often, people not feeling the sense of community as often, we will uh, continue the sense of community here every single day at JM and the Nachum Siegel Network and bring people closer by bringing you um, the sound of the chauffeur that we could hear as a community uh, every single Sunday through a Friday morning here at the Nahum Siegel Network. All right, so chauffeur blowing is next. Malcolm Honeline is coming up. He is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us coming up right here at JM in the AM.
Micha Gammerman with the uh, Lil Shabbat medley on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Today is Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Elul. Believe it or not, pretty amazing, huh? Great weekend programming coming up, including Sunday when Matas hosts JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. 
Make sure to join them. Avrami actually kicks off the week with Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night, starting at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Join him as well, of course. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Seagull Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Big news in the world of web radio. There's a radio that's made an impact in our community called Naki Radio, N-A-K-I. And uh, they've been around a while, and uh, for whatever reason... Not important to get into. Maybe it'll be in my memoirs. For whatever reason, uh, they were never carrying the Nahum Siegel Network. And recently, uh, we came to an agreement with them, or they came to an agreement with us, and they are offering through their portal the option of uh, adding the Nahum Siegel Network uh, to the Naki radio experience. So we're literally one button away or one push of a button away uh, from somebody who has that web radio. So keep that in mind. If you have it, uh, go and, and set it up. You, you literally go to the site where you originally set it up, and you could find us there, Nahum Siegel Network. And if you don't have it yet, now it's a good reason to buy it, frankly. Uh, and the, we're tossing in one of those radios into the big basket of prizes for the September 1st giveaway, Aaron's Casino Farms, Aaron's West Orange. They're sponsoring that contest. We're going to toss one of those into the big basket of prizes. And again, if you're considering a web radio, now we will say enthusiastically consider the Naki radio. Malcolm Holmline coming up. A reminder, our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, they are an amazing resource, especially on a Friday when you desperately are looking for articles to print out so that you become so that you can become even more and more informed about things over Shabbos when you're resting and uh, taking a breather for a moment from the difficult week. Um. So you go to Jewish World Review on a Friday, and you'll find thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world that you can print out and uh, enjoy learning about different topics, uh, learning about the absurdity of this world. Many articles will discuss that. Some will discuss the uh, some of the really important positive aspects of this world, but you'll find it all there at jewishworldreview.com. Check it out and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations. He joins us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. We call it the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Malcolm. Good Chodesh. Good Chodesh. Nice to speak with you. We're four weeks away, four weeks from tonight from the brand new year, which we hope will be a year of tremendous simcha and uh, a much different year than the one that uh, is coming uh, to its conclusion. Uh, well, yesterday, of course, the culmination of the Democratic uh, National uh, Convention. We we are interested, in all seriousness, anything you'd like to tell us about the nomination of Joe Biden or how you see the Democratic Party from this point forward. But I'll ask you specifically to start with, how do you think the Democratic Party is going to deal with the Linda Sarsour problem? Well, I think the, they have dealt with it this week, uh, the, the denunciation. Uh, she, I don't think she spoke at the official convention. It was at the Muslim side meeting uh, that was taking place. But the very association with someone who has held the views and, and, and expressed the, the views that she holds uh, is uh, obviously a matter that, that gets a lot of attention and deserves it. Uh, but the uh, spokesman for the vice president, denounced her views and disassociated with it and got some flack for it afterwards. But I think that that was important in and of itself. But, the you know, we're going to have to see what happens now. We have, what, 80 days, 75 days to right. the to the election. Um, we'll, there was very little focus, if you noticed, on the international issues uh, overall. 
hardly anything on Iran, hardly anything on on uh, nothing on Israel. Um, there were, you know, there were a lot of other things that went on that were not necessarily broadcast uh, on the, the television, but in the speeches, you could you saw what the focus of, of virtually all the speakers was, and it was not on the uh, international agenda. Uh, in general, a lot of sound bites, a lot of key phrases, not a lot of policy issues across the board. I don't know if I'm being unfair because when the Republicans do this in a few days, it may honestly be the same. <laughs> a lot of phrases and sound bites and not a lot of policy. But nonetheless, uh, you, you certainly heard, anybody paying attention, heard uh, a lot of different opinions um, about, uh, or, or many opinions about how members of the Democratic leadership feel on really important issues when it comes to the United States, um, I think on the is. I, I, tell me if I'm wrong. I think on the Israel issues, aside from the Sarsour and that crowd problem, I, I think they were pretty good. Again, not a lot of token, not a lot of uh, uh, substance to the to the policy discussion, as you indicate. But it seems whatever did come up, they're 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 sort of still proud of the U.S. relationship with Israel. Could we at least conclude that? Well, the vice president, in, um, you know, rejected the attempts to put the word "occupied" right. into the platform. And there, I can tell you from inside, there was a lot, a lot of work done. There were a lot of efforts to introduce other things into the convention platform, which tells you about some of the players that are there. And certainly, look, you look at Bernie Sanders, look at some of the other players. We know that they have had favored um, sanctions, some of them against Israel. Uh, I think they, uh, and that was uh, rejected. The um, and in Congress, overwhelmingly, I think the members of both sides of the aisle, as they did this week, when 387 members of Congress, you know, came out in support of extending the sanctions on Iran. Right. That is as bipartisan as you can get. So you know, the emphasis everybody has is on the differences, uh, on the support for the UAE. It was more or less bipartisan. I have to say, I was surprised that many of the Democratic leaders didn't say anything or didn't certainly didn't react in the way that uh, one would have expected uh, to such a momentous uh, occasion. Um, but the the vice president did, did acknowledge it. Others, did, uh, some others, did say something. But the you know we're just getting into the really the meat of this and without audiences without rallies without a lot of uh, things that we are used to this is going to be a very different kind of campaign and really boils down to two people and it may even be one person according to a lot of analysts they say people are voting for or against trump right. more than they are looking at anything else but uh, obviously i think uh, you know people expected uh, by virtue of a lot of things that build up, they were looking for him to stumble and to not be able to deliver the speech the way he did. Uh, and whether you like the content or not, I'm talking about just on the issue of delivery. And the uh, you know the the real issues will now come to the fore, and and it's an opportunity for people to, but they have to read. They're going to have to seek out information because it's not going to be so readily available as it is in normal years. When when a party uh, is comfortable or, or, or appears to be comfortable, I get the rejections and the condemnations afterwards, but it appears to be comfortable with certain people getting up and representing them. Uh, you know, you wonder where the party is at. And I know this is putting you on the spot, and it, and it may not be fair because I don't even know if, if an analyst like yourself can put your finger on it this moment. 
exactly what's going on with the Democratic Party. But, you know, we're concerned, obviously. There was always an, an impression of the Democratic Party in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, and even later than that, and their general attitude toward Israel. And I get the official position and the occupied being out and all that. But are you are you concerned that in that regard, that there's just a feeling that it's not the same party in 2020 that it has been toward our community in Israel in the past or not? Well, first of all, you have to take it in the larger context of the issues that we're confronting and to see where, you know, democratic leaders have been around the country and and nationally on, you know, the, the issues, the violence, the all of the challenges that we are, are confronting. Nobody can deny, I think, also that, the, you know, you, President Trump has done many important things, moving the embassy, right. the recognition right. of the Golan, right. even the peace initiative, now the UAE deal. And uh, But I, I believe it's very important that we not allow Israel to become a partisan issue, and certainly the support for Israel. There are too many things at stake. There's so much. It's such an intricate relationship, and there's so much that we saw even this week with the joint exercises that are going on between the United States and Israel, flying F-35s in, uh, in, in near Israel, uh, launching the Arrow 2 missile, which is a ballistic missile intercept that is a joint U.S.-Israel project. It's things people don't even know that are going on that are in a joint thing. So it, it is a relationship that we have to protect no matter who gets elected as president and no matter who controls Congress. Right. There are troubling things. I'm, obviously, we've discussed it in the past, right. and and, um, and we have to work at it. But right now, our, our primary thing is we've got to make sure that Israel remains supported by both sides, that the U.S. is a relationship, right. be supported. And and also now we have the issues related to Iran coming up in the next few weeks. Right. Really critical decisions. All right, I'll move on from this in a second. But, but just, just to sum up, no, I know, but, <laughs> but just to sum up, you know a lot of people in our community are really upset with the Democratic Party. I, mean, I do, of course. No, no, I, I understand that. And 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 the only for many people the only thing they're happy with is that they really haven't changed much officially when it comes to attitude toward Israel. Uh, and I, I just wonder if a lot of people are going to feel that that's just not worth sticking around the Democratic Party for. Like it just it, 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 in terms of life here in America, with what the people that are now leading the party are endorsing or not condemning. You know, I don't know if it's worthwhile supporting them when 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 the only thing we can agree on at this point is their you know is, is what they contribute to the bipartisan support of Israel. So, uh, I don't know who the we is that you're referring to because your listeners yes but every poll shows the vast majority even of Jews are not voting on that on the same basis with the same considerations. I think it's unfortunate. I think people have to prioritize what is for us a life and death issue and, and increasingly you know, and I've warned about it for so many months when we see the rise of anti-Semitism. You see elements within the Democratic Party, people associated with the Democratic Party, as you see some from the extreme right or associated Republican Party saying publicly anti-Semitic stuff that we have really serious challenges. Dividing the community and partisanship is not right now an appropriate response, especially under the strains of COVID and everything else. Our community is really being strained to the to to the limit in many cases. We don't know what's going to happen yet, Russia, China. We don't know what institutions will survive, and more, most importantly, we have to see to it that the uh, bipartisan support remains. 
And I know people look for simplistic answers, and I don't give it to you because it's not the way. People have to be forced to think. And when you go into that booth, you're making an important decision. And so do it on a thoughtful basis. And most importantly, we have to get people to vote and to turn to register and to turn out to vote. That's number one. Number two, to learn about the issues. There are clear choices. There are big differences that are, are apparent. Uh, in between the two candidates, and of course on the local level, there are many, many important congressional races where you have Democrats and Republicans who are great friends who are up for election or re-election, and this is really what is critical at this time. And uh, I think the you know the hype and the some of the fights. I, I, I hope there will be debates that will enable pe- the two candidates to at least give indication because the man who sits in 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 the Oval Office really does make the decisions, and, and um, it's, it is important, and who they surround themselves with, who do, what their attitudes are, what, who, who will be important, what kind of influence will others have, are all vital intru- issues that people have to take the time to read, to look at, to study, and come to conclusions. You know, we always find it interesting that our community is well represented, and now we'll talk about our community as one broad Jewish community, is w- is pretty well represented for a community our size in the swing states. If you look at it, you know, there are pockets of, you know, of influence in our community. What I didn't realize until this week, uh, when someone pointed it out on the news, is that there are really, you know, pretty uh, extreme pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel communities that are also well represented in a lot of those swing state. So anybody listening in a state that's important, I don't know I don't think they realize how critical their vote is right now. And and people who don't get it that where we stand on Israel really is as vital as any other issue and for many of us more vital or right. or and and for those who will stand up against anti Semitism, who will provide security for our communities, to provide our institutions, you have to look at all those issues because these are existential issues for our communities and some of them for us as a people, and I'm telling you that the polls show that the vast majority of Jews do not vote on that basis. And it's a question, again, of motivating, educating them, but especially the people who do care. And when I hear that they don't vote and that they don't get it, this is the most important act you can take in the next few months other than the Lung Tshuva and But this true. is really uh, critical. And it gets too easy to get into political de- debates. Everybody's a pundit. Everybody, you know, knows better on certain things. But really, you've got to be thoughtful because you've got to go into that booth. The most important is to vote, and then you vote your conscience. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSingle.com and the NahumSingle Network. And, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Speaking of elections, if there's no budget in the Israeli Knesset by Monday night, supposedly they go to another election. Are we very close to a new election in Israel, Mr. Honline? Well, this is the great new growth industry in Israel. <laughs> High-tech was important, but <laughs> elections are the number one industry. This would be number four in uh, what in less than two years. Which the, is the people making ridiculous. the campaign posters are making a killing. A killing. T-shirts, wow. <laughs> and, um, uh, and and you, if you watch, you can see BB aging on the T-shirts or whatever. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yes, it is right because of this special law about the... Uh, budget, but there is a, an alternative, and that is that they get a hundred-day extension to having to have the budget in. And there was a fight between whether you have a one-year or two-year. And Netanyahu was insisting one year. He said because of COVID. The, the others are saying the agreement calls for a two-year budget because then you, in a year they can have the same crisis. 
There are people who believe Netanyahu wants to do it, so he prevents Gantz from becoming prime minister. The uh, people are blaming all sides for for the impasse. The most of all, the people of Israel blame the two candidates and blame. Uh, I don't know. It keeps changing about who they blame more, but the um, uh, the polls show that the right is is strong, and perhaps Netanyahu says this is the right time to solidify the hold. Um, uh, the uh, Yamina party moved up to about 18 seats, I saw in some polls, and yeah. the Lapid's uh, party also, which was the breakaway, the split from uh, Benny Gantz, blue and white. So, they, you know, again, you can't predict because, as we know, that it's a very fickle vote and, and in, in events can change things. I think like the UAE, unexpected uh, to most people, and the or, or events in Lebanon and the heating up on in Gaza now the border. There's so many issues that constantly come up in addition to the economic crisis and the health crisis that Israel faces. Um, I don't know who, who benefits from having an election. The people certainly feel that they don't, and hopefully it can be resolved. So, President Rivlin came out with a very emotional plea not to have an election. Now, I mean, yeah, but I, I didn't know until this conversation that there's also an extension possibility. You have to assume that's going to be implemented if they don't get to this budget agreement by Monday. I mean, I, now, now I don't even understand why Netanyahu reached out to Gantz if this extension, you know, is, is likely. Right? I mean, I know you don't like to predict, but you would say the extension is likely if, the, if this thing doesn't happen by Monday, right? I think if they read the public, uh, the anger and the unhappiness of the public with having an election, especially in the era of COVID, um, then I think that they will work out a way to find an extension, which only postpones. It kicks the can down the road, but you gain three months, three and a half months, and then a decision in the meantime, a lot will happen. Well, yeah, and it also, you know, we'll see who gets elected here also has a relevance. Unbelievable. Well, I'm glad to hear about the extension, frankly, because I thought it was just inevitable if it doesn't happen by Monday that there be uh, that there would be new elections. But, well, I, but whatever action has to take place by Monday, that's correct. Right, and I, and I assume is that the presidential decision on the extension? Is that like he? No, he, no, no. Knesset. Has it's a vote. Knesset vote. Yeah. Oh boy. Now, so it's not a fait accompli. Well, the cabinet, I think, first has to recommend it, and I'm pretty sure it needs to be ratified by the Knesset. I'm not 100 percent sure. The the committee in the Knesset's going to make the decision whether uh, there's some type of lockdown or how severe the lockdown will be over the high holidays in Israel. The, uh, the recommendation, but it has to be first of all. It's a decision that the government has to take. Most of all, Gamzu's recommendation will carry a lot of weight. He's the COVID czar, and then. It has to get the approval of the health minister and others, and then this, this, the, there is a special internal body that the Netanyahu put together, a special COVID ca- uh, cabinet uh, that will review it, and this and the committee. Uh, it's a, it's a major decision, obviously, yeah. you know, for the economic implications and other things. It will have implications for people going to shul. Um, it's a it's a very serious matter, but you know the the increase in cases continues. Even the morbidity rate, I think, is stable. The um, the, the the need to get a handle on it, and it, you know it has to be crushed now. I mean, we're not even getting into the winter season and the flu season and stuff. When you know you have a greater danger that could be posed here and there. And I think there, there will be a lot of consideration still that many synagogues haven't decided exactly how they're going to handle it. 
And as I keep pointing out, those in our community who uh, are, are arrogant enough to dismiss this um, uh, COVID-19, especially because, quote-unquote, everybody had it and all the other reasons you hear in our community, if you do look at the graphs from 1918 and 1919, this second wave not only followed a complete flat line. I mean, it was gone compared to uh, uh, compared to what had happened in the first wave. It was it was it was completely. I mean, it was a lower line than what we what we went through here. And then the second wave was, if you look at it, the graph was much much worse uh, with that winter approaching. That first winter at the end of twenty eight uh, at the end of nineteen eighteen. So if history tells us anything, and I know with technology and I know the possibility of vaccine therapeutics, you know, we think we're so much better 100 years later. But if history teaches us anything, it's to be to beware and to be wary of what can happen from an enemy like this plague. And you won't have a vaccine in time for the second wave. You know, they, everybody, they throw money at everybody who, who proposes that they have something so far. We haven't seen, we know, we know that there are different medicines that work to some degree, uh, and hopefully there will be, uh, we, we've learned the lessons, and so forth. the treatment will be much more effective. Certainly look in New York State, I think we have to admit that they did a, a good job in, in containing it, uh, but when kids go back to school, when uh, many other things we see, even the baseball teams, with all of the restrictions and everything, no, no audiences, but they have to cancel games because players get, get sick. And there's no place where it doesn't happen. And while it's not at a critical level, let's say in New York, you saw an outburst in one community because of of attendance at a big wedding. And actually in several communities, not just New York, elsewhere too, uh, it's a warning to all of us again and again. You can't tell people often enough, and they dismiss the idea of wearing masks when it's proven to be helpful and effective and everybody said they had it or nobody has it. Uh, then they're going to turn around the corner and somebody has it, and then all of a sudden they'll say, I should have done it. And any doctor I've spoken to over the last week or so has said that uh, the weddings are going to end up, the the irresponsible weddings are going to end up being our our greatest enemy over the next few weeks uh, between now and the high holidays. Uh, Will there be an official visit? Will the prime minister be heading to the UAE? Will the uh, head of the UAE be heading to Israel? Is there going to be an official thing here? Are you saying there will be a beheading? No. Oh, well, they will be heading. <laughs> got it. Um, that uh, no, I, I, I don't think it's it's going. To, first of all, they've talked on the phone. I do think that there will be a ceremony in a couple of weeks. I think they'll be in Washington most likely, and uh, they're still working on details uh, of the agreement. I asked last night the head of the, the Jewish community at Ross Creole in the middle of the night, actually. Um, and he told me the response there is really amazing, not just in the Jewish community, but in the non-Jewish communities, in the in the amongst the Muslim population, the Emirati population. Emiratis actually make up only about ten percent of the population. Ninety percent are foreign workers and expats from other countries who are, who are in Abu Dhabi and Dubai primarily, but also the other the smaller Emirates. But there is also a lot of misreporting about the size of the community. People are throwing around numbers of 3,000. I saw published several times. It's closer to 300 in in the main communities. There may be isolated other people and some who come. There are 200 Israeli companies that do work inside the, or have relationships or offices uh, or joint ventures with uh, Emiratis uh, and Emirati businesses. But 
uh, uh, 44% of Emiratis say they want to visit Israel. Wow. I 140% of Israelis want to visit UAE. <laughs> yeah. and, and as I've said, they're, they're already working on the Pesach program. <laughs> and and um, BB appeared on the TV there, which was uh, important to talk about the flights, which I think could be the first thing that we see. Um, we'll see if any of the other countries come in, the Sudan fired the foreign minister for talking to his Israeli counterpart and indicating that they were moving. And on the other hand, we hear that there are talks going on between them for uh, the possibility of opening diplomatic relations. Why did I think it was closer than that? Why do, when I saw the story, I said I, I thought there was a history with Israel and the Sudan that was pretty positive over the last few years. Well, not years, but uh, certainly recently it has been better. There are times Sudan was very hostile at times. Um, and remember, they had the split with southern Sudan, and Israel was closely aligned with southern Sudan. Uh, but the but of late, they they have moderated position, indicating they're prepared to talk. But a lot of it has to do with wanting better relations with the U.S. and uh, their security situation. They're part of the Egyptian Ethiopian Sudanese conflict over the building of the big dam at uh, in the Blue Nile at the. Uh, waters in in uh, Ethiopia, right near the border with Sudan, and that's a very tense situation because Egypt can't tolerate it. Sudan also, uh, if the waters are diverted, and uh, right now it's quieter, but the talks broke down over it. So Sudan has a lot of, uh, and it's a very poor country, very bad conditions there. Um, and the big fight that emerged this week was about the F-35s that, that UAE is seeking from the United States, yeah. which Israel has opposed. All of a sudden, you think that may have been part of the deal? <laughs> well, I'm sure that it's not. it was certainly not part of the deal with Israel. And um, Ambassador Friedman played it down and said, well, it'll take years to do, and you know they'll maintain Israel's qualitative edge. Well, it depends who's making the decisions then. And what um, the fear, of course, that Israel has is that this, this is a game-changer, yeah. this plane. And today the government is favorable. What happens? The government changes. It can fall into hostile hands. Uh, as we know, weapons that, that were supplied to Iran before the revolution, you know, fell into many's hands, and and that, by the way, was the biggest fight of this week. Was the is the continuing um, deadline coming uh, for September 18th? Actually, but even before to have uh, the arms embargo against Iran extended, and the Security Council turned down the U.S. Uh, request to extend it. Now, the United States is proposing a snapback provision, and all of the seven Gulf states, that means the UAE, even Qatar, Kuwait, Bahrain, all of them signed against Iran, which is a a really historic move that got almost no attention and no coverage, but they joined the United States' position in uh, in, uh, supporting an extension uh, of the arms embargo, which ends in October, which means that on they can buy planes, tanks, other things from China, Russia, others who are just chomping at the bit to send it to them, and they will then provide it to their terrorist allies. The United States now is moving on a provision in the JCPOA, and this may sound technical, but believe me, this is a life and death issue for us um, about well, how strong Iran is and if they're able to break through, because the ballistic missile uh, ban ends in, in two years, three years, and as we've seen, it flies by. And the snapback is a provision that says when when there's a violation of the accord, uh, uh, anybody can send can uh, 
have them snap back to the the sanctions that were imposed by the Security Council between 2006 and 2010. And they were all suspended when they signed the JCPA, the uh, JCPOA, the agreement. Now the United States is saying that these all should be reimposed. The United States certainly will. Unfortunately, the European, and especially the big three, um, France, England, and Germany, are not cooperating and not moving the same in the right direction. The, they have not come up with an alternative. There, there were proposals to extend it for a defined period. And the, um, we know that the, the economy of Iran is teetering, and they are counting on the fact that, that the sanctions will, will be lifted and uh, calling on the Europeans to also lift economics, to supplant the United States on the economic front. It's really critical as we see Iran continuing uh, it revealed new missiles that they, uh, one with a 1,400-kilometer range named for Qasem Soleimani uh, that can go 1,100 kilometers. The, um, the, the, they're revealing new weapons. They did very extensive naval maneuvers. Um, they they um, uh, harassed a ship carrying uh, oil and was released, but now they claim they have one of the UAE ships. Uh, and they, they, but they are continuing all the support for terrorism everywhere, and this is uh, so critical, what will happen. And you see that the, the world learns nothing, <laughs> that they will allow Iran to continue. Are any of those Iranian missiles heading to Venezuela? Oh, very good question, actually, because you had nine ships that were seized. Now Iran says the ships aren't theirs, the oil wasn't theirs. They sold the ships before they did it. And we know that Iran, by the way, is is exporting at least double the amount of oil that is reported because what they do is they send the tankers out to, to the ocean and then transfer it to other ships. So, and the transponders are off, so there's the, the tracking systems don't indicate the truth about the export, the illicit export of, of oil, uh, but they do send it free to, to Venezuela, to Syria. Uh, in Venezuela, they get in return gold, as we know from the the uh, planes that were carrying it. The United States has imposed sanctions on the shipping lines and the ships and the captains even. Um, they did seize uh, the oil. I think they took 1.1 million barrels off of the ships. These were Greek, Greek uh, flagged ships, uh, but they got them on the seas and they took off the oil because they were in violation of the sanctions against both Venezuela and Iran. Uh, and now Iran says, well, they're not our ships. It's not our oil. You know, we don't know who you are. We didn't know we had oil. And the um, so, you know, each of these things I know is it's so complicated, but the implications are immense. If, if anybody goes to the website of the Washington Institute and looks up Matthew Levitt, uh, a wonderful Jew, wonderful uh, scholar, uh, former, I think, Treasury Department official, maybe CIA, and he did a map of Hezbollah around the world. Everybody should go and look at it. It will knock your socks off. Does and remember, it? this is Iran. When you see Hezbollah, you're seeing Iran. And he did, an in, uh, where they collected all of the data about Hezbollah's undercover activities, including the United States, South America, Brazil, let alone, of course, the Middle East and the places we know, to go and, and take a look at it. I mean, you, I, I was about to ask you about the United States. You just said it, though. So there, there is a significant... Hezbollah presence in the United States? Is that the right word? There is activity here in the United States. There have been Hezbollah operatives uh, who have been caught repeatedly and sentenced, some sentenced, most of them are not caught. But we know even 
and I've talked about it before, the illicit cigarette business that they run. They right. run tra- drug trafficking. Uh, we know that there's been an, an narco-terrorism activities. The, of course, the, the United States is a, is a good place to make money. Yeah, that's an understatement. Um, you know, so the impression was once this UAE, UAE deal was done, I think the White House and many others started alluding to the fact that uh, this is going to be a trend now. There'll be other Gulf states and other countries in that region that have an interest in, in making a deal with Israel. Now, I always thought that, um, that or, or I think the impression was given to us that Saudi Arabia uh, was a real candidate uh, for that type of agreement, that type of relationship with Israel. And uh, now it seems, based on some, what some of the pundits are saying, that Saudi Arabia would only agree uh, to some type of arrangement like that with Israel if there would be, uh, in fact, a Palestinian state. Do you think that that will hold up an Israeli-Saudi uh, agreement? Well, that's what the crown prince said. It's not just the pundits. Oh, the officials in Saudi Arabia have said, uh, I, I can tell you that MBS, the crown prince, said to me that, that we won't be the first, but we won't be the last to make peace with Israel. So now there is a first uh, amongst them in the sea, uh, and there are others like Bahrain who could do it, Oman who could be next. Um, you know, the Saudis are very concerned about reaction in their streets, but the, the they've taken some bold moves against the people when they want to, and I hope that this is one. I mean, we did discuss it. The, the Crown Prince talked about his envision, you know, this new city that he's building, um, and that he looked for, for Israel's role. It's going to be actually opposite. It'll go from Egypt all the way across to Aqaba. Uh, and he talked about Israel and Israeli technology and how beneficial it will be. We'll see if they give overflight rights so that Israeli planes flying, let's say, to the UAE could then fly on to, uh, it can fly over Saudi Arabia and also then fly onto the Far East because that route cuts off hours from the flights and would be a boon for Israelis and especially with all the technology uh, exchanges and investments and stuff that is, is going on. And that can be done without full ties, right? That all, that uh, many things can be done without full ties. And as you know, that uh, there have been a lot of commercial enterprises operative in in the UAE for many years and in other uh, parts of the Gulf uh, without formal relations, doing it discreetly, but not an unknown uh, activity. You know, we, we've been doing this weekly update a long time, and one of the topics that's come up a lot over the last 15 years is the assassination of the, of the Prime Minister of Lebanon. And, and and based on what we saw this week, Malcolm, I, I, I don't know if I've ever <laughs> if I've ever observed such a long um, such a long legal process that was just completely surrounded and enveloped by injustice. And I think this week's decision indicates the same. Am I right? It's a further extension of the injustice that they don't bring to trial. They know. Uh, and they put, they, you know, they issued warrants for arrest for people who it's all in absentia. It's, you know, it's done by the uh, by the commission in Hague. Um, I think uh, one particular person may have been may have been caught or right. will be tried. But the but the fact is that they found what what is important to establish the fact that Hezbollah was responsible, Hezbollah agents for the murder of Hariri, uh, the prime minister, the. The current situation in Lebanon is disastrous. It's a complete collapse. Um, I don't know whether the Hezbollah will pay the price because they, they are asserting control and they're trying to uh, avoid responsibility, though it looks increasingly 
um, that it's is directly their responsibility for the explosion, that they were certainly in control of the port, and that they had imported a lot of this nitrate from the Iranians. We know they found in Germany, Great Britain, Cyprus, other places, Hezbollah, storing the nitrates to be used as a weapon. It can be used for fertilizer, too, but clearly their intention was against Israel. The um, But, you know, the tragedy of the destruction, uh, almost 200 people dead, many thousands wounded, uh, but and the economic impact of a country that was already in dire straits. And it was once such a beautiful uh, uh, country. And, and uh, I think I mentioned last week, but the reports that the synagogue in Beirut was destroyed are not true. The building near it was destroyed, but not synagogue itself, which was just rebuilt, even though there's hardly any Jewish community, any Jews there, not a Jewish community. Uh, but expats from the Jewish community helped rebuild it at a cost of millions of dollars. It was a beautiful building. It is a beautiful building, but it was not, uh, thank God, destroyed. So the, the situation in Lebanon is, is still very tense. Israel has lessened its presence on the northern border because they feel Hezbollah now won't risk it. They're preoccupied with the on-the-ground situation. But you can never tell if they want a diversion, if they feel that they need to heat up the border. We also see the Russian troops moving in in, in along the Syrian border, maybe pushing the um, Iranians back, Iranian militias back. But the um, all of these places remain extremely tense. And, of course, from Gaza, and I know people don't seem to take seriously these balloons that come with fuels, but with with uh, explosive uh, fuel that when it hits the ground it sets a fire there were dozens of fires in a single day almost every day there's not one incident two incidents there are many and now israel deployed a new laser gun that shoots down yesterday shot down many uh, dozens of uh, of the of these balloons but you know they can float very far some have floated to the outskirts of tel aviv one landed again near in the yard of a kindergarten and some have have landed in kin, in right in the kindergartens themselves. In the past, these are are it's a, a such an insidious thing, and you know they do it sometimes with colorful balloons so that children will pick it up, <clears throat> and then of course it uh, can cause a lot of uh, harm. I don't know. On the southern border, Israel has. I mean, I, I don't want to say never hesitated because they sometimes have hesitated, uh, but 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 I, I don't think they've ever waited this long to get to the root of the matter. And to take care of things, to you know, and, and make sure to eliminate you know the possibility of, of people doing this type of activity. But it's, but it's very hard now. I mean, what do you find if you if you had balloons being launched here? Look, we had firecrackers disrupting the life in the communities, and people didn't track it down. Here, the Israelis are actively seeking it out, trying to find out. They stopped the shipment of balloons into into Gaza that were coming, you know, through. Uh, Karen Shalom, and, and they are actively looking for it. But, you know, it's done in people's pockets. It takes nothing to do it. A bottle of fuel, you, you take a couple balloons, and, you know, it's almost impossible to track all, all of these people. And they launch many more than actually cross the border. Some of them have actually hit in their own, in, in, within Gaza itself. So, I mean, I have great sympathy for what the Israelis uh, are doing. You can't, you know, they don't have an iron dome against the... Uh, against balloons but it is really um, i think it's a violation of of uh, geneva accords because it it targets civilian population and it does land in civilian areas it has burnt many fields many many fields so it's the livelihood of people that's affected 
And when they start coming across, people have to hide again, go into the shelters because you don't know where they're going to land. Unbelievable. I thank you, Mr. Holine. We will. Uh... Can I just say there's one really important uh, good news, and that was, uh, aside from the UAE thing, and that was the overflight yesterday by German planes and Israeli planes over Dachau and over the Munich Olympics, where the the heads of the two air forces joined uh, with fighters from both countries and paying tribute to the people below and uh, and to the Munich 11 uh, near Furstenfeld uh, Brook Air Force Base. Uh, again, symbolic, but um, very touching, I think. Uh, those of you who have uh, children and grandchildren who have not heard of the uh, Munich Massacre of 1972, try to update them uh, about what uh, that episode was all about. And um, as we discussed on the show recently, you could tell them the story of how the uh, Major League Baseball Jewish ball players and Reggie Jackson commemorated uh, that event, you know, it's funny because when we were somewhat uh, upset when um, when politics seeped into sports, uh, a friend of mine called and said, uh, uh, "Don't jump to being upset about it because 38 years ago was it 48? 48 years ago, um, members, Jewish members of the Oakland A's and Reggie Jackson actually wore black armbands in solidarity with Israel." and the athletes of the Munich Olympics after that episode. I thought that was interesting. Mm, so, so sometimes I, I got to be careful if I complain about politics seeping into sports and stuff being written on basketball courts. I have to remember that sometimes the politics that seep into sports are politics that uh, that are you know sympathetic toward the Jewish people. So anyway, just thought I'd point that out. Have a wonderful Shabbos, Mr. Good Shabbos and good Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, Spiritual Leader Emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Shoftim. But before we even take a look at Parshas Shoftim, let's acknowledge today, Good Chodesh. Today is Rosh Chodesh Elul. What a special day. Rosh Chodesh Elul, today is the day we started blowing shofar. Today is the day that we started saying L'Dobar Hashem Ori. Today is the day that we start preparing ourselves because What's going to be happening? Literally a month from now in Rosh Hashanah and 40 days from now is Yom HaKippurim. The Mishnah Brura understands and brings that famous acronym for Elul of Anila Dodi Vidodi Li, which means it's a time of greater closeness, intimacy between man and God. I am for my beloved and my beloved is mine. But our rabbis give other acronyms for the month of Elul, including Ish L'Reyehu, Umatonos Evyonim, from the ninth chapter of the book of Esther. It speaks of the responsibilities that we have one for another. And I saw interesting in the name of Rav Pinchas Friedman, who says in his Sefer Shvile Pinchas, another explanation or understanding of Elul, it's Achas Lemala, the Sheva Lemata. One up, seven down. This refers to the bloods.
being sprinkled on Yom Kippur by the Kohen Gadol in the Holy of Holies. The idea behind this, very powerful, that already today on Rosh Chodesh Elul, we focus on, please God, Yom Kippur, and reminding ourselves how close it is and how the time to start preparing for Yom Kippur is today. And to help us with that, I'd like to discuss one of the 41 mitzvot contained in this week's parsha. To the Chinuch, there are 14 positive and 27 restrictions found in Parshas Shovtim. Among the mitzvot that we have in Parshas Shovtim is that of the mitzvah of appointing a king, and within the realm of kingship there are no less than six mitzvot. The last of these mitzvot is especially fascinating. The Torah says, and it shall be, Kishiftar, when he, the king, is on his throne. So every Jew, as the last mitzvah in the Torah teaches us, is to have a Sefer Torah. He, the king, he is to have a second Sefer Torah, which is to go with him constantly. One Sefer Torah stays in Beis Gnozov, in his treasury, and the other Sefer Torah, a smaller one, not an abridged, the exact Torah, but written smaller that it's able to be part, literally, of his uniform, of his royal garb. So, it is to be with him. And he is to read, literally, in it, study it, live by it. Why? In addition, chapter 17, verse 20, literally, so that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, above, above the rest of Klai Yisrael. Says the Ramban on this pasuk here, and I quote, Nirmaz Bekan, the Torah is hinting here, what? Isur Hageus, the prohibition against conceit, the prohibition against arrogance. Now this is incredible. Of all the people in the country where we had, please God, and will have, in the future, a king, the Mashiach, is called HaMelech HaMashiach. Every day in the Shemona Esrei, we pray the for the restoration of Moshiach, Esemach, David, Abduchon, Meherosat, Smiach. And every time we recite Birkas HaMazon, and even if you're on a diet and you're not having bread during the week, on Shabbos, you're washing. On Shabbos, you're benching. And in the third bracha of the Birkas HaMazon, Amalchus, Beistavit, Meshichecha, we yearn for kingship and the restoration thereof. So the Torah says regarding the king, King, you are not to be a Balgaiva. 
you are not to be haughty. If the king who has what to be haughty about, namely, after all, he is, come on, the most powerful individual in the land. If he is not to be arrogant, all the more so teaches the Torah, each and every individual is to adopt this quality of humility and not be a Balgaiva, and not be an arrogant individual. Interestingly, this translates itself into halacha, namely, you and I know that in the, what is called Shemona Esrei, but really today there are 19 blessings, we bow at the beginning and end of the first bracha, and we bow at the beginning of Modim and at the conclusion of Modim. That's it. Four times in the Shemona Esrei. The Gemara in Brachos, Lamid Dalid, teaches us that the king had to bow at the first bracha and stayed literally in that position or bowing each and every bracha in order to humble him, that the king should realize as great and as important as he is, and he is, Libo, Shokoy Yisrael, he represents the heart and the nation of Israel, but he dare not be arrogant. And if this is true regarding the king who has what to be arrogant about, all the more so the individual. And I can only tell you that the Ramban wrote a very important, famous letter to his son. It is called Igeres Horamban, the letter of the Ramban, and he urges his son to read this at least once a week. It is not too long. I'm telling you, you can access it on your computer, print it out, and you're going to see something very special. The Ramban speaks from his heart to his son, and basically urges him to always, number one, speak calmly, gently, distance yourself, as we'll see in a moment, from anger. And then when he speaks in terms of humility, he cites different psukim, but I like to share with you the verse that we are all familiar with, because this was the conclusion of the Haftorah for Tisha B'Av morning, and we have this in conjunction with the Haftorah of Parshas Tzav. What does the Torah tell us? Says the prophet Yirmiyahu in chapter 9, verse 22. Ko Amar Hashem. This is what Hashem says. Al Yisalel Chacham B'chachmaso. Let not the wise man glorify himself with his wisdom. I, after all, am so smart. Let not the strong man glorify himself with his strength. I'm so strong. 
Let not the rich man glorify himself with his wealth. Because after all, come on, where did the wisdom come from? Every day we acknowledge that God graciously, with kindness, bestows wisdom upon us. We see it whether we call it all different kinds of terms. Alzheimer's, well, it might be there, deep down in the recesses, but can't access it. The person, unfortunately, it's here today, gone tomorrow. Who gives it to us that it's here today? Where is there room for arrogance? It's a gift that comes from God. And right? that which we are able to accomplish, where is that coming from? It's all sayata dishmaya. The usher, the usher, the wealthy one, he too should not pride himself. You must see, this is required reading. Back in Parshas Akev, the Torah warns in chapter 8, Pasuk 18. The Torah says, don't let success go to your head. And the Torah warns, Yamarta in verse 17, you're going to say in your heart, regarding yourself, Haha, my strength, the strength of my hand has made for me all this wealth. Oh yeah? Look at the next verse. Vizocharta. The Torah says you are to remember. It's a shemelokecho. Remember your God. Kihu He is the one that gives you the ability. What? To make wealth. And listen to this Targum Unculus. The Targum says, Arehu Yoivloch Eitzah. He's the one that put the idea in your mind. I'm the one that invested in a particular stock. And I made a lot of money on that stock. But who put the idea in my mind in the first place to buy that stock? That's correct. It all stems from him. The Rambam writes so beautifully in the beginning of Hilchos Deos. And he says that there is what we call a derech In chapter 1, he speaks about the importance of taking the middle of the road. And then in chapter 2, he says, I have to tell you that there are yesh deos. There are certain character traits. She'osor lo le'adam. You're not allowed linhog bahem bebenunis. You can't take the middle of the road when it comes to this one. But rather, what should you do? Says the Rambam, You've got to go to the extreme. And what is that? The first one that he lists, Govalev, arrogance. It's not the proper and good way that a person should be in that way, but rather he is to be anav, he is to be modest and humble and recognize where it's coming from. And therefore, regarding Moshe, the Torah tells us not that he was an onav, he was modest, but that Moshe was onav ma'od, excessively. Now think about it. Moshe didn't know that he was the only one that Hashem had spoken to, panim el panim. Of course he knew. So not only because the more you know, 
the more you know that you don't know. But Moshe knew where it came from. Moshe knew it was a gift from God. And if it's a gift from God, there's nothing for me to be arrogant about. And therefore, where we are right now, Rosh Chodesh Elul, anticipating, please God, what is going to be in a month from now on Rosh Hashanah, in 40 days from now on Yom Kippur. Listen carefully now. How much we get in the area of knowledge, how much we get in the area of wealth, how much we get in the area of power, be it within our families, be it within, and I don't use the term power in any kind of a negative way, but influence that we're going to have over others, communal, to be on the board, to be a position within the synagogue, within the community, etc. All this is the more one works on attributing your success to Hashem, the more success He gives you. One more time. The more you attribute your success to Him, the more He'll give you the opportunity to be successful. And therefore, our Sephardic brethren have begun Slichos starting today. Ashkenazim, as we know, we start the week before Rosh Hashanah. But both of us, whenever we say slichos, how do we begin our slichos? By saying kedalim v'reikim. We come before Hashem literally as dalim, as paupers, as those without. My portfolio is empty, Hashem. I recognize there's so much more I could have done. I recognize it all comes from you. And this is such a powerful way for us to not only learn from the King of Israel that you shouldn't think, this doesn't apply to me, I'll never be the King. No, it applies to each and every one of us. And so, may we be privileged to take this lesson to heart. May we begin Rosh Chodesh Elul with the clear understanding and a clear perspective that the more we attribute the success that Hashem has given us, wow, the more success in Mirz Hashem He will give us. Shabbat Shalom and Chodesh Tov to all.
J.M. and the A.M. Well, we didn't do it last week. Figured we'd do it this week on Rosh Chodesh. Yichad Sheo from Birchas Chodesh here at J.M. and the A.M. at Yoli Greenfeld. Friday morning broadcast. Erev Shabbos Parsha Shoftim on this Rosh Chodesh Elul. All the traditional editions for Rosh Chodesh, including uh, Yalav Yavo, Half Halel, Special Torah Reading, Musaf Baruchinafshi, whatever your custom calls for. Keep that in mind. Great programming coming up all weekend long. Just 15 minutes away from a brand new edition of uh, Table for Two. Naomi Nachman has a uh, brand new edition of Table for Two. Uh, this morning she'll be speaking to Noam Lazar, creator of Noam's Kosher Candy Store, Kiss the Kosher Cooks, Malky Gordon Hirsch, and Alexander Rappaport, the executive director of Maspia, all coming up on Table for Two. Then the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by our wonderful friends at Kedem. Harry Rothenberg at 1 o'clock with the Parsha Shoftim and the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. Tomorrow night at 9. Uh, and then uh, Sunday, of course, Matis with JM Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern time. So a big weekend. Also over the weekend, details will be emerging about how to enter the Instagram contest from Aaron's Casino Farms and Aaron's West Orange, which can win you more than 10 valuable gifts. An entire bucket load of, of gifts is being prepared. Uh, I'm not kidding. It, it's a gig- It's not one of these, you know, one expensive item. We're talking about 10 amazing items. All of them are yours if you win the contest. Uh, we'll draw it on September the 1st. It's an Instagram contest. Instructions coming up uh, uh, over the weekend via social media. And certainly turn in, tune in Monday morning to JM in the AM. The only catch is you need an Instagram account. Keep that in mind. Uh, also, we're now available on Naki Radio. It's a web radio. It's been pretty popular in the Jewish community. They did not 
carry us from their beginning, from their inception. Um, I want to thank all of our listeners and our fans who insisted that they carry us because now we're there. Uh, you can get your Nike radio and uh, be one button away from uh, the Nahum Siegel Network, and we thank you for that. It's something you may want to consider for the elderly in your family, a really easy way to punch up the Nahum Siegel Network every single day. Um, so keep that in mind as well. And uh, what else I want? Oh, yeah, and of course, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Have you had the A&H hot dogs? Have you had delicious A&H meats and products? If not, head to a Trader Joe's for their hot dogs or head to any great nationwide kosher supermarket for their hot dogs and all their products. A&H, they're amazing, and they'd be phenomenal on your Sunday grilling uh, on your Sunday grilling schedule for this Sunday. <laughs> They'd be phenomenal. Try it. Try A&H today, uh, Abel's and Hyman, and be happy with the uh, – you'll be happy with the results. Simple as that. That I can guarantee. Uh, if you're looking for a job, send us your resume. Resume at NahumSiegel.com. You never know. Anything in the, uh, in the world of um, Jewish not-for-profit professional positions, those we – Pass on to our friends at the Joel Paul Group, but in general, we have had uh, we have had success in placing um, uh, people in jobs. Um, so, like I say, we're trying our hardest. We're trying to place some people and uh, and do it as best as we can. So, help us out by getting us your resume, your family member or friend's resume, and we will try our best on this end. To do the best job possible. Simple as that. He calls this the Breslov Lachadodi. It's Eitan Katz at JM in the AM. Did he die? Die, 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 die. Did he die? Die, 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 die. Did he die?
J.M. in the A.M. Eitan Katz with what he calls the Breslov Lachadodi here at J.M. in the A.M. Ready to wrap things up. As I remind you that Naomi Nachman is brand new with Table for Two coming up right after J.M. in the A.M. Make sure to join her for that. Coming up next, and plenty more all day long, including Mark Zomik and the Arab Shabbos Show and the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. All coming up all day long here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. The sun is going down, it's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done We're Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well in. 
to throw away a hammer There's nothing left to do Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week here at JMNAM. I thank all of you for being out there. And don't forget, we have incredible weekend programming starting now with Naomi Nachman and the uh, uh, latest edition of Table for Two. It's a brand new show coming up from Naomi. Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos Show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That starts at 10. Arab Shabbos music mix all day long. Sponsored by the wonderful people at Kedem all the way until candlelighting time. Tomorrow night is Saturday night. Siegel Matis has JM Sunday, Sunday morning at 7. Monday morning we are back. And by then the details will be out how to join the Instagram contest. Sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farms and Aaron's West Orange. Um, and you could win a big, big, big basket full of prizes when this thing is drawn uh, a couple of weeks from now. No joke. A big, big basket. Have a wonderful Rosh Chodesh, a great Shabbos, and wonderful weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Sigel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.